This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide story that affects you. Some good news, but mostly bad news for Michigan recently from the census. The good, yay, our population has grown. The bad news, though, is that it didn't grow enough. And because of that, we will lose a congressional seat in 2022. And if you're surprised by this, you have not been listening to Mishmash. Roll that archive tape. Consider the fact that since we lost a seat after the 2010 census, losing a congressional seat, another one, that would not help one bit. And even kind of looking more close to home on a local level, the census is a big part of what drives our district lines. And that is something that's going to be coming up again soon. So, Shana, that was three years ago. I was at the Grand Hotel in Mackinac Island. That's the sound you hear in the background. But again, (laughs) that was, yeah, three years ago. So we've been saying this for a while. And I would like to brag and say, hey, kudos, we called it. But this one, it it doesn't feel great. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And to be honest, we were not even close to the only ones who called this. Uh, This was not surprising to anyone who's been paying attention, including Kurt Metzger. He's a local demographer with 25 years of experience. He worked at the Census Bureau from 1975 to 1990. He's currently the mayor of Pleasant Ridge. And Metzger was on WDET's Detroit Today recently after this news dropped and said these Population trends are decades old, and they're only getting worse lately. So we're not gaining by births. We're losing by out-migrants, and we're aging. So we're not attracting the young, educated population that we need Now, Metzger says we've been able to make up for a lot of those losses in the past through immigration and higher birth rates. But as he says there, birth rates really aren't as high as they once were. And nationally, the trend is that people are leaving places like Michigan to move out west and to the south. A lot of that has to do with weather, cost of living, and economic opportunities. Everybody wants some sunshine. So I guess the big question is, How does Michigan start to attract people again? Uh, Well, how am I supposed to know? I'm just a public (laughs) radio guy. Uh, Many advocates, though, would argue that things like stonewalling public transit initiatives, uh, continuing to starve our cities and schools of resources is not helping. That seems to make a lot of sense in some ways. And Metzger says one thing that we really lack here is a regional approach to attracting new residents. He says great Lake states should be cooperating a lot more to come up with strategies to make the region more attractive. Now, in the near term, remember what I said three years ago about those congressional district lines being redrawn soon? That process is, in fact, happening now with a brand new independent redistricting commission. So it's more important than ever that you pay attention to that process, especially because we are now working with 13 districts instead of 14. (laughs) 
So we wanted to bring you some more information about what is going on with these congressional districts. And Jake, Stephen had a really great interview on Detroit Today recently. And so we put together a sort of condensed version of that conversation. That's right. So you heard those clips from local demographer Kurt Metzger, who is also the mayor of Pleasant Ridge, uh, someone we referred to a lot just now. Uh, He is one of the people in on that conversation. Stephen Henderson, our host on Detroit Today at WDET, also spoke with John Egia, who is a redistricting expert at Michigan State University, where he is a professor of economics and political science. And John Egia talks a lot about what this all means for the redistricting process uh, going forward. And so uh, we thought, again, um, this is sort of an annotated version of this conversation. Really encourage you, uh, if you enjoy what you hear here, to go to the full episode. You can find that at WDET.org or search Detroit Today uh, wherever you get your podcasts. But for now, uh, here is Stephen Henderson's conversation with Kurt Metzger and John Egia. So, uh, Kurt, we all expected this. This has been happening here in Michigan my entire life. We, we, when I was born in 1970, we had 18 uh, members of the House from Michigan uh, in Washington. Each decade since then, we've, we've lost one. Uh, now we're going to go down to 13. Uh, but I'm curious what you think explains this, this shift, I guess, in, in population. Uh, sometimes it's because we've actually lost population. Uh, this year, we gained population. We just didn't gain as much as, uh, as, as right. other, other people, right. other states. What, what, what's been going on uh, over this, this period of time? Well, just to let you know that when when I was born, um, <laughs> Michigan only had 17 seats, and so we actually gained after that, uh-huh. uh, and mm-hmm. now we're going back. Um, no, this is con- a continue, continuum of this movement of the population to the south and the west. It just, um, there's nothing different than that, but, you know, as they said, when air conditioning was invented, the south became much more attractive, <laughs> and it's just... And it's just continued this this movement to, you name it, the Carolinas, to Georgia, to Florida, that whole southern route. And then, even though California lost for the first time in 170 years, we still have that movement to Colorado, to New Mexico, to Texas, um, all that the South and the West. And it and it continues. Started certainly with with weather, but also because of uh, um, economic issues, um, anti-union, there was a lot of movement to the South, but it's just been this continuous increase. And we've seen a large um, number of African Americans moving back to the South. And certainly if you listen to Charles Blow from, from the New York Times, he's, he's pushing more, more African Americans to move into the South where they'll have more control over the political um, outcomes in those states. Mm. So, so how worried should we be here in Michigan about this? Of course, you, you lose political clout if you lose right. population. Right. You lose some federal funding uh, if you actually lose population. Um, but, but are there other things that that are affected by this, and how concerned should we be about trying to reverse it? Well, I think we should be concerned, and it's not—it's not just the numbers. And certainly, I don't—I don't agree with political clout because we're now so so divided in terms of Republicans and Democrats that there is no coordination within a uh, state's 
um, represent you know representatives. But it is this idea of what's what's driving Michigan or what is what's be- behind the Michigan numbers, mm-hmm. and that is a and a growing elderly white population, um, some increases certainly in in persons of color, but because of reductions in in um, immigration, that certainly has affected Michigan. Mm-hmm. Michigan tends to be in what we call an out migrant state, at least domestically. We send more people to other parts of the country than we receive, and and it, it varies based on on the economy. As our economy gets worse, those numbers increase. As our economy gets better, the numbers decrease, but we're always on the the negative side. Um, We've usually been able to um, overcome that with immigration and birth rates, more births than deaths, natural increase. Well, our births are down. We're now, as I had seen, 2019, our births were the lowest since 1941. And 2020 will be even lower than that. Mm. Um, so we're not gaining by births. We're losing by out-migrants. And we're aging. So we're not attracting the young, educated. We heard that during um, the Amazon discussions and everything else. We're just not attracting the young, educated population that we need. Um, and when businesses are looking, I saw a couple articles based on, on the, the results, Talking about when they look at the workforce, they don't see um, ava- you know, a, an available workforce or at least the workforce that they're looking for. And so the question will be is how do we keep those businesses here or are they going to start looking elsewhere as so many have? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, John, I want to bring you into the, the, the conversation here and talk about how this change in demographics and this loss in relative uh, uh, population strength, I guess, uh, it, it, within the union uh, affects the redistricting process here in Michigan, where, of course, we have this new independent commission drawing the lines for the first time. Uh, it was going to be different from from the jump this year, but the idea that uh, we've got to do it and, and contract the map, I guess, uh, seems to me as though it makes it even a, a more different process and, and presents maybe some challenges. Yes. Well, first, let me say that uh, we do attract some uh, young, highly educated people. I, I, I'll put myself as an example. I, I came to the state in 2014. I was younger then and, uh, and highly educated, and uh, I love it here. So I do think that Michigan remains uh, uh, an, an attractive place that, yes, there is out migration, but, but we do have some strength that will attract some people, uh, myself as an example. Uh, back to the redistricting uh, question. So moving it from 14 to 13, uh, having to redraw the map, would mean that if the previous map had been any good so that we only wanted to make any minor changes, then that strategy would no longer be available because we need to draw a completely new map with 13 districts. Mm -hmm. And so the previous one would not be a valid example. Whatever district uh, someone lives in now, that's not what is going to be next. But since the previous map wasn't any good, it wasn't a good role model to follow. It, it was not a case of uh, if ain't broke, don't fix it. It was it is broken. It needs to be fixed. So even if we had had 14 districts, the commission was almost surely not, not even going to look at the previous map and it was going to draw as if it was completely 
new map uh, from a blank slate. So now it's going to start with a blank slate and a task of dividing Michigan in 13 pieces. I don't think it's going to be that much more challenging than if it had had to divide it in 14, because the previous example of 14 was not a valid uh, role model to follow. Yeah. So I'm a bit more optimistic uh, about what they can do. So, so and that's interesting because I, I don't know that we have, as just citizens, have heard a lot about what this process is going to to look like. We've had uh, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson on a couple of times to sort of update us on where the committee is in its work, uh, but but I mean she's sort of stayed away from making predictions about what they might do or or might not do. Uh, I mean it seems like you're saying the old map is is you know tossed in the in the wastebasket as as a first gesture and that uh, you start from scratch and I, I'm not sure that everybody necessarily assumed uh, that that was that was going to be the case. Uh, talk about why that old map was no good, even if you were going to still be able to divide the state into 14 congressional districts. Okay, so without getting into the controversies as to all that was wrong with the previous map, and uh, there were many things wrong with the previous map, uh, district court tossed it out as unconstitutional before that was overruled. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the, the Michigan Constitution had an amendment in 2018 that not only created this commission, which is maybe what was more in the news, but it created new requisites, new criteria that districts had to follow. So the previous map failed to do what it should have been doing according to previous uh, requisites, but at least it was, it was drawn according to fewer constraints and fewer instructions. Since 2018, the commission has, uh, uh, since, since the amendment in 2018, the commission and all future redistrictors, uh, uh, map makers in Michigan, have to follow a new clear guidelines and criteria that are in the Michigan Constitution. So a map drawn before that was not meant to follow the new criteria, mm -hmm. uh, whereas now the Constitution tells this commission exactly what to do. So there have been two huge changes with that ballot initiative that uh, Michigan voters passed. One is that instead of the maps being drawn by politicians, it will be drawn by this Commission of Independent Citizens. And second, the Commission of Independent Citizens is not as free to draw whatever it pleases. It needs to draw something that follows the exact criteria spelled out in the Constitution that was not a constraint that politicians had in the past. So even if there wasn't anything particularly nasty about the previous map, it was a map done for a different time with different rules. Hmm. Now the Commission has to follow these clear criteria that are ordered from most important to least important, Besides the federal laws, which we always had to follow, right. the, the districts have to respect communities of interest and they have to not provide any partisan advantage to any party. These are now the top two state criteria and there are more. And these were not criteria that were spelled out as a legal requirement in the past. All right, that was a short version of the full conversation that happened on Detroit Today on WDET recently between host Stephen Henderson and Kurt Metzger, local demographer with 45 years of experience here in Detroit and is current mayor of Pleasant Ridge, and also John Agia, redistricting expert at Michigan State University. Again, if you really if you enjoyed what you just heard, you can find the full conversation at WDET.org or at the Detroit Today podcast. Just search Detroit Today wherever you get your podcasts.
And that's all for Mishmash. I'm Shayna Roth. And I'm Jake Neer. Thanks for listening. <laughs>